So, Ms. Roxy Beckles, what would you say, based upon your own experience, were like some of those things that you've noticed um, that seem to be affecting Catholics the most in a sense of our loss of pursuing the sacred versus maybe pursuing other things in the world? Do you think, have you seen that there's a greater interest in pursuing the world than pursuing the sacred? Absolutely. Especially from my point of view, uh, when you look at things from the health and fitness perspective, because uh, one of the things that we are fed, male or female, doesn't even matter what age you are, is that the body is an object for use. The body is an object for lust. The body is an object to be objectified, something to be objectified. It's something to be envied. And I think that when you think of things uh, from that standpoint, and what we understand as Catholics, that the body is a sacred thing. The body is of God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, worship God with all of your body. When you approach fitness from that detached state or just health from that detached state, it makes you just, you lose who you are. You lose who you are along the way. You're pursuing things that the world has told you is important. It's no longer about longevity. It's no longer about health. It's no longer about having a body that allows you to go forth in the world to fulfill your purpose at God's will. It's now about fulfilling what society says is acceptable and how you look, how you carry yourself and your attractiveness. And I think that's such a detrimental thing. With the advent of social media and, uh, you know, and more, it's kind of like made this come along tenfold. None of us can escape it. Doesn't matter how old you are. The only way you can escape it is if you decide to detach yourself, cut it off, and in your own way, just look at how you can approach your longevity, your health, your fitness from a standpoint of worshiping God with all of your body. So that's one of the things for me that I'm very passionate about right now is teaching people, how do you do that? Even people who may not be Catholic, because I think there's so many people in our world today who are hungry for God, but they're looking for it in other things. They're looking for it in the new age. They're looking for it in yoga. They're looking for it in all these other places. And even within fitness to a great degree, they make working out their God, their idol, right? But teaching people how to go deeper than that, how to bring God back into your physical pursuits is one of the things that I'm super passionate about. And one of the things that I think can change the world if, you're, if we're smart about it. How do you think we got to this point where you see this, this idolization of the body, this pursuit of vanity? Did that appear to just happen in a vacuum or was it gradual over time? Oh, it's absolutely gradual. You know, I think that in times in the past, when you look back at society, when society was more God-centered, you saw you saw less of this, right? Knowing, getting to know other people was about knowing the person and their humanity. And the moment we started to have more uh, media come into play, and I mean, we can take this all the way back if you want to look at the entertainment world. When we started to have film and started to have television eventually, right? Putting the image out there, not as human persons, but objectifying, especially with, with women. You know, we can look back and look at porno pornography. It goes back centuries, right? It's not something that just popped up along the way. But then when you, we start looking deeper into media and media messaging, it's not until the 1960s, the 1970s and forward that the, the, the term, quote unquote, sex sells 
became the thing that everyone is pursuing, right? Where it's about outward beauty, it's about the body, it's about attractiveness, it's about lust. So I think we can take it back to that time, which ironically in our own Catholic culture, the 1960s seems when everything blew up, right? With Vatican II and all these other things. So you've got these two elements, the world and the church kind of like going down the same path and diverging away from God, society away from God, the church one, the church is not away from God, but ideals that we once held as solid foundations of our faith being slowly pulled away or pulled back in the 1960s and forward. So I think that's what, if we, if we look back as to where things went wrong in society as a whole, all the roads lead back to that, that time period. Pope St. John Paul II, he comes along in the 1980s, of course, with teaching theology of the body. How has that had an impact on um, on you and your in your ministry and how you see the world and fitness and, and the body? Absolutely. I love that you asked this question because it had a profound effect on me. I mean, I think up to that point, chastity and just understanding what the church kind of feels about that is something I think is ambig- was ambiguous to me. I think ambiguous to a lot of us. It's just that like the body is sacred. You don't want to go out and, and fornicate and do all these things because it's a sin. But to have a deeper meaning as to why the body, why is the body sacred? What is the role of man and women? How is love, sex and relationship? How is that like in communion with God? And when, when I started to go deeper with that and just getting a better understanding to be able to really express what I feel about the idea of love, relationships, chastity, and more, um, it spilled into fitness because it's like, oh, this is the same thing because I'm honoring my body and that body is a part of the Lord and our bodies are sacred and our bodies should be treated with a certain amount of di- dignity and respect. And so I think that when you start to bring that into the forefront, and I'm really trying to dig a little bit deeper with this. So if I sound a little convoluted right now, it's because I'm still working through this through in a coherent way, kind of like the theology of, of fitness, the theology of the body through fitness is what I'm kind of like going off of. But it, it, bro- it brought for me, again, that deeper respect and understanding of the human body as of, uh, as of God always. I think sometimes we get caught up in um, thinking that the body is lustful and sexual and all these bad things. We take the body and we wrap it up into sin and give it to Satan. He didn't make this body. He didn't make us. So how can we look at the human body in a negative way? And I really feel that going through theology of the body, studying that has really helped me to have a deeper understanding. When we think about some of his early lectures, um, John Paul II, he likes to talk about in the beginning, right? And when he uses this phrase, he wants to connect oftentimes with Jesus. We always just use this phrase as well, especially when he's speaking about marriage, like, well, in the beginning. And one point John Paul II likes to make there is just like original, the point of like original solitude, that it was important for Adam to be alone and realize, you know, that he couldn't do it himself. And, and then he realized the purpose for which evil's Created, and so do you think if, if that's true, um, the the direction John Paul II w- was headed there? What can we say about like how is like having a sense of the sacred and the purpose for which we were created um, connected to how we use 
our body in the world. So how is our creative purpose, the, the sacredness for which God created us in the work that he created us to do, how is that connected with the work, with the body in which we are called to do our work in the world? Well, I mean, you can't do that work without having a body that's functional, that's mobile, that is as healthy as it can be, given your age and, and other factors, maybe disabilities and more, right? You can't do the will of the father if you are if you are completely incapacitated, if you don't take care of this 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 body, this this shell of who we are, if you don't if you don't take care of it, if you're out there drinking, you're smoking, you're not getting any sleep, you're stressed out, you're you're porn addicted, you're sex addicted, you have mental issues that you're not dealing with, you have all this trauma, right? It's causing your your organs to shut down, your hormones to just be out of whack to the point where as you cannot function, you are not able to do whatever it is that God has put you on this world in this world to do. You cannot go forward with his with whatever his will is for your life. So in that respect, it's like you've got to take care of this body. You've got to invest in it. You've got to keep it healthy because he's got plans for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope in the future. And he can't do that if you are completely kaputzed, you know, and it's your responsibility. Now we have to keep in mind that there are people with different illnesses and things that are beyond their control, you know, think genetic issues and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, it still becomes, how can you learn to overcome that? That is the cross that you have to bear. How can you still be able to get yourself to a point where you're healthy enough for you, no matter what your ailments are, your disabilities and more, to be able to go forward with what God has for your life? It just seems to be like two different bodies. There seem to be like a, a body of the world and then there's a, like a kingdom body because and I'm a gym guy myself, but I noticed that there are a lot of people interested in developing their body, um, either to look good or to achieve some some sort of physical activity. And then what you're talking about is now is having a healthy body to the degree that we're able to, so that we may be used according to how God wills, according to his purpose. But how hard is it to get that message through? I mean, we, we live in a society where, you know, societies, some aspects, those who buy into that message wants us to create some sort of sculpted body for, for vanity purpose. And I know you, you've been in that world. You, you've seen that type of thing. So, I mean, what is the message to people to break free from pursuing that vanity, creating this body, this sculpted body, this wonderful looking body for vanity's sake versus orienting them towards the sacred, like having a healthy body for, for God. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, first thing, you know, uh, I have a picture on the back of my wall that you can't quite see from this because it's uh, this angle. Um, but the the pictures of Jesus Christ knocking on a door, right? And that's supposed to signify him knocking on the door to your heart, but there's no handle on the outside of the door. The door can only be opened from the inside, means you have to open the door so he can come in. He can't just come in, you know, because he gives us free will, right? Knock and the door shall be opened unto you, seek and ye shall find. That is what the Lord tells us. So the message that I have is not gonna be for everyone. Jesus Christ said very clearly, you know, when he he came here, yes, to deliver us, but he can only be there. He can only do that if you allow. 
and he let people walk away from him. John chapter six, when he talked about us eating his 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 blood, uh, eating his flesh and drinking his blood, people walked away. He didn't run after them like, oh, wait, no, 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 I didn't mean that. No, 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 this is what I really mean. He was like, all right. You know, at the end of the day, he was like, all right. So that's where I kind of come from in that perspective. It's like, look, I'm going to put it out here for those who are seeking, they will find it. For those that are looking for the deeper message, they will find it. For those who understand that everything we've been taught and told about who we are is a lie. When they wake up and they're out of that matrix and they want more, they're going to find it because that's just the way that it works, right? So in that respect, the message is out there for those who seek. Now to go further, again, you t there's nothing wrong with sculpting the body. There's nothing wrong with wanting to look chiseled or be athletic. God created our bodies to be able to do that. You just have to understand the science of how to unlock that. But it doesn't have to be a pursuit of vanity. Now that's taking that goal and twisting it into the sin and giving it to Satan saying, hey, if you do that, you're vain. No, I'm doing this because Number one, it'll be fun for me. It's a good challenge. It'll bring discipline into my life. And I know that at the end of the day, it'll help me to feel, oops, I got a little, there we go. It'll help me to feel like I've been able to take this body that I have and sculpt it to the absolute apex of what God has for me. That this, the ability for me to actually take it beyond anything that's like quote unquote normal for me, that's astounding. That's of God. Right. So again, it's just how you choose to frame things, how you choose to look at things and how you choose to go about it. So number one, the message is there for those who seek it. The message is out there for everyone to, to find. And then number two, Satan does not own our, our apex. That's of God. That is a God created. That is a God uh, creation. And then what you don't realize is that in you going about this this way, you're going to inspire other people who will be like, wow, what are you doing? How do you how do you get? I mean, I saw you like last year and, you know, but you the way you look now, this is incredible. What have you been doing? What have you been doing? Well, let me tell you, you know, I, I, I've been working out, but I've been working out more than just my body, I've been working out my mind, and my spirit. Let me let me tell you what that's all about, how that changed me. That's how you pass it forward as well through other people and other examples. So. And I will say one more thing about the world. We are called to live in the world, just not be of the world. We are called as Christians to live in the world. We're not supposed to go off in cages or, or caves by ourselves and lock ourselves from other people. No, we're called to get in the world, to be in the world, to be in the midst so that we can be the light that everyone sees that will point us to him, right? And point the whole world back to him. So again, I mean, great. Let the world chase their vanity over there, but we got something different over here that's going to move hearts, that's going to move mountains, that's going to move minds, that's going to move bodies, that's going to move spirits, and hopefully turn people back to Jesus Christ. And I think one of the deepest demonic aspects of the whole porn thing is that you ever notice how evil, it, it tells a truth in a way, but it like distorts it, just makes it disgusting and nasty so that um, for example, um, the guy who you think of like the, the most disgusting thing, like the guy who says, Oh, I, I love children. Well, a pedophile would say that same thing, right? So it's the distorted mind, the demonic aspect of it. And this, I think it's the same thing with porn In porn. You see the, the idea of 
in the Holy Eucharist, Jesus Christ says, take this, my body. And in porn, the man or the woman is saying he wants that, he wants another person's body in that way. It's like, and the person who's putting it out there, well, um, e even prostitution, all, all these things like, well, take this, my body is for you. It's, it's the demonic aspect side, it's the inverse. And that's sin. Um, and this is hard to push through. I think for a lot of people get stuck in that, that addiction of the inverse. What would you say to people who are caught in those lifestyles and are just having a hard time turning back and using their bodies, not as an assassins, and not for their own purpose and for their own pleasure, but turning that around and offering them their body and their whole selves up to God and his will. Yeah. I mean, it starts off with just the spiritual walk period and making the decision to walk in Christ, right? To walk in Christ, because when you allow your, when you live in him, he lives in you. So it starts with confession. You gotta, you've gotta just lay it all out. Just go and just lay it all out. If you can't confess to your local priest, you've gone to the next parish where they don't know you and sit up in that confessional, you know? I mean, you know, the side that, that they can't look at you so you can just let it all out, right? Just, that's number one, that's healing. The second thing is to get your prayer life together because this is spiritual warfare. Everywhere we are, this is spiritual warfare. And when you've got that sin of lust on you, when you've got that, you know, um, that, that, that spirit on you, you've got to pray because it's always going to be there because every facet of our society today are about promoting hypersexuality, everything, the music, the things we watch on television, advertising, social media, everything. Right. So you've got to stay prayer, prayed up. And, and a lot of it's going to a lot of it has to also be you taking things away from yourself that are triggers for you. What you watch, what you listen to, distancing yourself from certain friends and people that you know who lead you down that path. You know, you got to do a total cleaning, a spiritual cleaning. Then once you get that down, get your prayer life, you got to start going to mass. You got to start. And I'm not just talking about Sunday mass. I'm talking about daily mass. You know, I. It, St. Ignatius, uh, and today is his feast day, you know, uh, ironically, and I was actually thinking about this during mass today um, because I had went through a little, like a really quick period of desolation last night. It was just so quick, but I caught it and I saw it. And because my prayer life is so solid at this point, I won't go into dark places because I go back to Jesus Christ. Like, look, I got this, this cross on my back and I need to leave this at your cross. I need you to help me with this. Get this burden, you know, off my back. Please help me, right? And I'm in a mass today, just like, man, like feeling so renewed after the act of contrition, after, you know, receiving the Eucharist, it's like, man, right. I felt so renewed and that's what you need to do. You got to get yourself to that mass, receive his body, receive his blood every single day. If you can, now some people can't do that. And if you can't, that's okay. Because we got now, look, we got we got online mass, okay? So you can't make it. Go on, watch it online mass. Now, I'm not saying that that replaces mass, but I'm just saying if it's a part of your prayer life that helps you to stay on the straight and narrow, you got to do it, even if it's receiving the Eucharist in a, um, what do they call it? I forgot what they call it. You need, uh, sacrament. What is it called when you can't receive it um, in physical person or for whatever reason? Right, spiritual, right, spiritual communion. So even if you have that, it's still very renewing. So I think that that's where it starts because you have to look at this, not just 
this is a vice for some people, if you really get into like someone like Father Chad Ripperger, he goes into like, this could be a demon in you, honey. Like, oh my God, there's a demon. Oh, let me get this off the back. How do I do this? God, right there, prayer. And going back to him, putting it at his feet and letting him carry that burden with you. So a lot of people who would see you on YouTube channel and the interviews, they would say, well, one thing that Roxy is, how would you describe her in one word? If someone were asking me that, I would say confidence. Where do you get your confidence from in Christ? In Christ. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's just it. Because, I mean, I have my moments, too, where I doubt myself. I have those moments. I was having one last night. Like, you know, um, I have those moments where, where I have my anxieties and my fears. And this week I was telling a friend of mine yesterday, um, we were talking. And I was like, man, I had, a, I, I had a crazy nightmare that I told her about. It was like a more of a comical nightmare. But then I had like literal nightmares, like three nights in a row. And I and I had to sit back to say, okay, where's this coming from? And wh what what is that, right? But what I realized is that, again, I've had these things in my head, toiling, toiling, toiling. And the only person who can help me through it is God, is Jesus Christ. So the only thing I can do is just pray about it. And when I know in my heart that number one, he said that he will provide. Why are you worrying about the clothes on your back? Why are you worrying about what you'll eat? Don't you know that the Father will provide for you? Do not worry. Worry about what's worrying about what's on your plate today is enough. Stop worrying, right? And then the next thing is just knowing that, like again, He is there walking with me, and when I can't walk, He's carrying me. He's carrying you. Read that that story that that um that story that short story that the footprints in the sand. It's one of my favorites. When you cannot walk anymore, he's carrying you. And I think that has helped me to just feel more rest assured in life. Otherwise I could, honey, I love rabbit holes. Anything I, one thing I love is a rabbit hole. I will dig a rabbit hole straight to China and jump head first right into it, you know? So the confidence comes from knowing that God has me covered at the end of the day and whatever his will is, that's what I'm trying to do. A lot of people struggle with that confidence, I think, because the messaging from the world, a lot of people are pursuing, you know, Instagram and social media. They, they, they see these images that they're, they, they're supposed to, you know, media tells them, the world tells them they're supposed to live up to. This is supposed to be a standard. This is more so the case in places like Miami. I don't know if L.A. is, is still that way. But it's that standard that, that they put out there that, oh, hey, here's the standard of beauty. Right. And so some people not just women, sometimes men too, they feel that low self-esteem. Maybe they feel like they not not going to be able to get a spouse because maybe the guy they're interested in, they think that, oh, I'm not the standard he may be looking for with all these other women out here. Um, and so confidence for a lot of reasons, you know, we can create a whole litany of them out there. People have the low self-esteem that blocking them from really trusting God to give them that confidence. Yeah, I mean, that's, you've hit the nail on the head right there. It's placing the value of what the world says about you and what you should be pursuing and who you are, putting that above what you know about what God has in store for you. And yeah, it's hard to trust things, you know, it's hard to trust, but you have to, you have to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. You make the choice to already, you're, if you're Catholic, you make the choice to trust already. So it's just about le learning how to let go. You're not in control. 
And you, and the thing with the spouse thing, because I think there's a lot of people in today's time, particularly in our modern day and age, where that is a real thing. And I don't think that gets talked enough in, talked about enough within the church it's like all the focus is always on like the young 20 somethings and are you just in college and you meet your high school sweetheart or your college sweetheart and this is how you get married by the time you're 25 and have like 10 babies by the time you're 30 great right that's not reality for a lot of people and so it becomes hard it becomes hard as you get older you know you don't have the confidence that you're ever going to find someone but it's like again you have to go back to your prayer life in scripture. God tells us not to worry. And the truth of the matter is with today's statistics, honestly speaking, not everybody's going to get married. That's just, it's on a decline here in the United States and across the world. Secular culture is just telling everybody that's not important. Hypersexuality is ramping things up um, in the other, you know, to make things really hard to find connections. How do you have the confidence to go forward in that? Well, the first thing you have to know is that, listen, just keep your heart open. Keep yourself ready to receive and just know that no matter what the outcome is at the end of the day, whatever the Lord has willed for your life, you're still of value. You still have value. You still have a community, a world of people out there to evangelize and find where you fit, where you can put all of this energy and love and, and more until you get to that point where you meet someone, right? And that's hard to do, I know. But guess what? We're all in the same boat, honey. Okay, so you can make the choice to be miserable and have low self-esteem and what was me? Oh, that's ego. What was me? Oh my gosh, I'm not this, I'm not that. I lack this, I, 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 ego, ego, get off yourself. It's not about you. And the moment you start to learn that, oh, let me put this somewhere else. That's where you start to have more of that confidence. And I will tell you, the devil is always busy, always busy. So you are going to fall into moments of despair. You are going to fall into moments of desolation, but you have to know how to get out of it and identify it as it comes. My, the biggest thing that has helped me is St. Ignatius' Discernment of Spirits. Really look into that because that's been so helpful to learn how to build a solid prayer life. But the confidence and the getting rid of the insecurities and stopping the worry, believing, like just putting everything you have to trust in Christ, that comes from the work, so. At the end of the day, it all come, all roads lead back to prayer, um, Eucharist, confession, and trust in the Lord. <laughs> and those sacred things in our church, those things that we know are gifts from God, our, our sacraments, our, our scriptures, um, many of our sacred traditions. What are, when you think of sacred in the, in the church today and those things that, that help you in your faith, in your journey, what are some of those things that you, you think of? Uh, absolutely. Our sacraments are number one. Our The Holy Eucharist is, is the apex for me in my life. Uh, confession, absolute, like must. You know, these are essential. They are essential as breathing. They're essential as eating. If you want to think about your soul, this is your spiritual food, your your food, your bread, your wine, <laughs> you know, in that literal sense. Um, this is your this is what will keep you alive. So I think our sacraments are extremely sacred and that they should not be taken lightly. They should not be something that you just, oh, you know, whatever. You approach it with like nonchalance now you got to approach it with the utmost seriousness and respect and just reverence and just the awe of it all so you know for me 
that's where that's 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 the sacredness for for me is definitely in the sacraments and just going back to square one so final question in, in that regard going back to square one so in those things that you mentioned you know we see that if we believe polls very few people seem to believe that in the real presence of jesus christ in a lot of our parishes either there's not a whole lot of opportunity for sacrament of penance and reconciliation or just not a lot of people showing up maybe both it just depends where so what would you say when we're talking about returning to the sacred what are some things that you think the church should focus on or the individuals should focus on more ardently to reorient ourselves to the sacred to at the destination that Christ called heaven yeah I think that I mean from the church standpoint it starts from the top you know um, not trying to conform to the ways of the world you know, not being afraid of being orthodox <laughs> you know for some people, it's bringing back the smells and the bells and the full regalia of what Catholic mass looks has looked like over the centuries, you know. For some people, that's something that's needed. Even the, no the Novus Ordo, that's not something that's just only with the TLM. I mean, the, the Novus Ordo can be very reverently celebrated if done properly. You know, the problem is for so many people finding parishes where that is done properly. And I know that there are some people who have a problem with, you know, uh, the Novus Ordo and they, they, they are, they staunchly believe that the old mass is the only way. And that's fine. Listen, I'm not here to argue with you about whatever you believe, but we have to be honest here that not everybody has that open and available to them. And so if that is you and you fall into that category, how can you get even deeper with Christ? Believing in the presence of the Eucharist, you got to go back and study scripture. What does John chapter six say, right? There is no mistaking what happened at the last supper. Why is Jesus the lamb of God? What did that even mean? Why didn't he bring out that lamb? They all sitting there Thursday hungry. You know, that lamb's supposed to be coming out. You know, everybody's waiting for that lamb for Passover. He bring out bread. Now, come on. What's, what's, go, what's really going on here? Do you understand it? You got to go back and study. You got to go back and read. So if you don't understand and you're having these doubts in your, mat, your head, like, oh, is this real? Is this not? You got studying to do. You got reading to do. And there's so much history and books and doctors of the church, so many things you can go into to explore that. And I think that the church should, maybe this comes down to a diocesan level or something like that, where we should have continuing education for adults. That's something each one of us can start in our own parishes. Catechism for adults. The catechism in a year with, with uh, Father Mike Schmidt. You, you, why can't you get a group together that goes through the whole thing as a group in your parish? And then have your priest there or deacons or whoever is there available to sit and have a discussion afterwards. Like these are the things that you can do easily to get back to understanding the sacredness of the church, the whys, the hows, the when. And so I think that that's where it can happen. I kind of like blended it all in where what can the church do and what can people do? You know, the, the people is an individual level because I can't force you to think or believe what I believe, but I can tell you if you go look at this, if you go read this, if you study this, if you look at this scripture, it'll start to fall together. 
and it'll start to just reveal itself to you, but you have to be willing to do the work. Ms. Roxy Beckles, thank you for this catechesis and instruction. Thank you very much.